This is something very, very important to me. This is a symbol. This is a unity candle. How many of you know what a unity candle is? Many people have heard what the unity candle is. The unity candle, on, uh, 15 years ago, nearly 15 years ago, on December 26, 1998, uh, Shannon Kilhoffer and myself stood before friends and family uh, and, uh, and God, and we made vows and promises to each other. Uh, she became Shannon Cornett that day, uh, a day that will live in infamy. Um, thing. Um, so, uh, but what we did during the ceremony, we had this on the table, kind of like this. And uh, what we did is there were two outside candles. And uh, what we did was we took uh, our, each uh, candle represented us, one for me, one for her. And we took those two candles that were lighted. And then we lit the center one together, symbolizing that we were two people becoming one. We were united in marriage. We were united uh, as husband and wife. Uh, and that, you know, like I said, almost 15 years ago. Um, and uh, Lord willing, baby, 35, 40, 50 more? Why not, right? Yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> I did a wedding recently where a couple did a sand ceremony, something very similar, where each one had a vial of sand and there was a middle vial and they each took their vial of sand and they poured it into the center one as, again, as a symbol of unity uh, as husband and wife. And you can't imagine how long it would take to take a pair of tweezers and separate all those little grains of sand, right? That's, again, because they are coming together as one and they were going to be United, And that's what we're talking about today, is we're talking about unity. We have a brand new message series beginning today called Bodybuilding. And this is all about, it has nothing to do with working out, thank goodness, right? It has nothing to do with working out. We're not doing Zumba here at church um, or anything like that. We're not lifting weights. But what we're talking about is being the body of Christ. We're talking about what it means to be a body as a church family. And so we begin this series today by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. And that's where we're going to start. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be the body of Christ, what it means to uh, be a church family, and how we come together. And today's message is all about unity. We're looking at the importance of unity, of being one body, being one church, being one family. Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today. If you'll grab your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. Grab your bulletin, turn to the back page to the HDO, and we'll fill in some blanks starting now. The first blank on your outline this morning is we belong to one body. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. We, are, we belong to one body. Paul says that the body is a unit, and that word in the original languages, that word for unit, literally means one, or it's a word that can mean unity. So it's not just a unit uh, as far as like a, a, a body is concerned, but it is a, a whole unit. It is a, a singular unit. It is one. It is unity. There's to be unity in the church. Um, and we see this word that is 
uh, translated as one used a couple of different times in this passage where he talks about being, uh, being uh, baptized uh, and being one body, uh, one spirit. And he talks about having one Lord. Uh, we're going to see all these different, we're going to look at some different passages of scripture that also use this word one. And we're going to talk about uh, being one body. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, Paul wrote, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We see that word, again, used over and over and over again, this idea of being one, this idea of unity. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul wrote, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Again, we see this word unity, that we are to be united as a church family. We are to be united as brothers and sisters in Christ. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Again, this idea of oneness, this idea of unity in the church, that we are one body, that we are one family, we are a united church body. Um, Paul, so Paul wrote this to the Corinthians, he wrote it to the Ephesians, and he wrote it to the Colossians. Do you think that this idea of unity might be important? Do you think this idea of unity might be essential to the life of the church? Absolutely, we need unity. We need to be one body. Now, this is very important because in a couple of weeks, we're planning, we're going to two services, right? We're going to have two Sunday morning worship services, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. If you didn't get a chance to fill out the blue card in your bulletin yet, fill out the blue card in your bulletin and turn it into uh, the information station after church because we already took up the offering. So fill out the blue card. Let us know when you're coming to church. Thank you very much. Just a little PSA for you there. But as we go to two services, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, starting next month, uh, we need to remember that we are one body. That though we meet at different times, we are still one body of believers in Jesus Christ. We have uh, one mission. What is our mission? To make disciples who love God, love others, and spread the gospel. We have one vision to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. We have one mission. We have one vision. We have one purpose. We are one church serving one Lord and following His word. There will be challenges along the way. There will be challenges to unity. There will be challenges to oneness along the way. But we will always be one body. And not only just in Griffith, not just here at Griffith First Christian Church. We are one with believers all over the world. There are Christians gathering all over the world. People who love Jesus who are gathering all over the world. And we are united with them in our worship and praise to God. I love to think about this concept of, of how... Uh, it may be midnight here, but it's early in the morning, maybe like in New Zealand or Australia. And Christians wake up and they, they go to worship on a Sunday morning and they start to praise God. And they're praising God for, that, for an hour. And, and then as the, the earth continues to rotate, it moves into the next time zone where Christians gather in that time zone at the same time. And they start to worship and praise God. And so I, I view this, this wave of worship and praise just going all across the planet for 24 hours every Sunday. Isn't that cool? 
I mean, that's awesome that, that in Christ we are made one as one big family all over the planet. The people who love Jesus and get together and worship and praise God. And there's this celebration of Jesus Christ going on every Sunday for 24 straight hours all the way around the planet. How awesome is that? God is so cool. God is so great that he has made us into one family. And, and he brings us together in unity. And we need unity in the church. We need to be reminded that we need to be one family people uh, we need to remember that we have brothers and sisters here in Griffith and all over the world and people who love Jesus and they accept God's gracious offer of salvation by believing repenting confessing and being baptized and though we may be may meet in different places and we may worship in different ways we are still one body Jesus wanted his church to be one in fact, in John 17, the night before he was crucified, this is what he prayed. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, the message of the disciples, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That we testify, when we are one as a family, when we are one body of believers, we testify to the oneness of God and Christ. We testify to the oneness of of. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That when we come together and we are unified, we demonstrate that God is a, is a whole, that He is a, a complete uh, unity of Father, Son, and Spirit. And this is so important. This, I mean, it's so important. Jesus prayed for it the night before He was crucified. He prayed for you and He prayed for me and He prayed for our church that we would be one body. You know, why would Jesus pray this? because we live in a world of division we are a world of division we are a nation who is divided we are divided along political lines we are divided along socioeconomic lines we are divided by race lines and color lines we are a nation that is we have divided families there are divided families all over our country and there is divorce and there is bitterness and our families are divided we are divided as churches we are divided in the ways that we worship. We are divided in the ways that we view God's word, that we view the Bible. We are divided in our view of how we view other Christians. Well, those people aren't real Christians. Those people surely won't be going to heaven, right? Who are we to say that? We trust in God and his grace and his mercy. The same mercy and grace that covers us covers over all believers in Christ. We have nations going to war against nations. We have people going to war against people. We are a world that is divided. And with all of this bitterness and all of this animosity and all of this division, what are we to do? We are a world that is divided. But the church is one. The church is to be one. To be united in our faith. To be united in our worship to be united as brothers and sisters, to have unity in the church. What does that scream to our world? It screams that peace is possible. That if we, who are many, are made into one body, if we, who are different in so many ways, and let's face it, we're all different, right? We're, everybody has some kind of difference. Whether it's color of your hair, lack of hair, becoming lack of hair, our sizes, our genders, our ages. I mean, this church thing is awesome. This church thing is amazing. That here on a Sunday morning, we'll have people from newborn babies all the way up to 94 years old. 
come here and worship together as a family. Men and women. We have people from, uh, well, Korea. We have people of African-American descent, Latino descent. I'm Irish. It's amazing I can get along with anybody. Don't ask me about Irish today. Not after last night. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what, we need to stand as one. We need to be one family, one church, united in Christ, following our one Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus wants us to be united as a church family so that we can work together to reach out to our community to let people know that Jesus loves them. That is our job is to let the people of, the, of our world know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that he gave up his life for us so that we can be forgiven, that we can go to heaven, which is just going to be amazing because we're going to be all there together. Everybody all over the world will be there together, worshiping God together, and it's going to be amazing. But we've got to get more people in. We've got to get more people knowing about Jesus. We've got to get more people into heaven. And by God's grace, we're going to do that. By God's grace, we're going to do that. We're going to let the world know that Jesus loves them. Because it's the most important message on the planet. And that through him, we can have peace with God and peace with each other. And we can be a united church family. The second blank on your outline we're going to look at is we are all important. We are all important. Look at verses 14 through 20. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We are all important. We are all unique. We're different, and that's good. We are all different and unique, and we're all important. Could you imagine if your entire body was an eye? That'd be weird looking, wouldn't it, right? But if your entire body was an eye, how could you ever hear the sound of a symphony or hear the sound of a baby giggling? Is there any sweeter sound than a baby giggling? I think not, maybe except for the package, uh, a package of chocolate chip cookies being opened. But let me talk about that. If, the, if your entire body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be, Paul says? And you would never be able to smell a rose or freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. If your whole body were a hand... You know, just one giant hand. How would you get to the grocery store? It'd take forever to hop to the grocery store. If your entire body were a foot, if your entire body were a foot, how could you give somebody a hug? Right? And the smell, if everybody was a foot, the smell. And could you imagine an ingrown toenail the size of your body? All right, Sean, that's enough gross stuff. Nope. Paul says that the body is made up of many parts, and God put them right where he wants them. Think about that for a minute. God arranged our bodies just the way he wants them to be. 
That's so neat that, that he took time to design and create the body the way that it's supposed to be. And our bodies work together. I, and when you think about the science of our bodies, it's amazing. That we can breathe in air and it goes into your lungs and then it goes into your heart and it, and, and it goes through your entire body feeding your cells. And that, and that we have these sweat mechanisms that cool off our body. Anybody else warm right now? I'm like roasting up here. Anybody else? All right. It's not just me. Okay. Just want to make sure. Um, but we have these amazing bodies and God has put them together exactly the way he wants them to be. He has put them and arranged our bodies the way they're supposed to be. And you know what? He says the same thing is true about the church. The same thing is true about the church, that he arranges the body the way that he wants it to be. You know what that tells me? It tells me two things. It means, one, you're here for a reason. You are here for a reason. And two, you are important. God designed the church body just as he designed our physical bodies the way they're supposed to be, where the stomach is, where the spleen is, where the, uh, where the uh, kneecap is. He put it all together the way he wanted it to be, and he puts his church together the way that he wants it to be. So you are here for a specific reason. You are here for a specific purpose. Know this. You're being here today. Your being part of this church family is not an accident. It is not an accident. It is not a coincidence. You are here because this is where God wants you to be. You are here for a reason and for a purpose and you are unique, and you are important to this church family. you got to know that. You are here for a reason. Um, God wants to use our church to reach people who don't know Jesus. That's why he put us here. He wants to use GFCC to reach people who don't know Jesus yet. He wants to use GFCC to help people become fully devoted, fully surrendered, totally sold out followers of Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. It comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It's right up there. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. That's what Jesus said. And in order to do this, in order to fulfill that purpose, in order to fulfill that mission, in order to fulfill this vision we have of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ, we need everyone to be on board and we need everyone to be doing their job that's why the holy spirit when we get baptized the spirit and the holy spirit comes to live in us and it gives us spiritual gifts he gives us spiritual gifts to do uh, great things uh, for jesus christ he gives us these spiritual gifts that we need to use to build god's kingdom here on earth god has given you a gift if you have the holy spirit within you you have a gift to be used in god's kingdom and what happens if you don't get, use your gift? What happens if you don't use your gift? Then we are ineffective. We are inefficient. We cannot carry out our purpose and our mission as effectively and as efficiently as if everyone is using their gifts together. Remember, God put us together the way he wants us to be. 
God put us together right here, right now, the way he wants us to be. You are hearing this message today, not on accident, not by coincidence, but you need to know that you have a gift that God has given you to be used in his kingdom, to be used in his service, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. You were here for a reason. And so whether it's singing or serving, whether it's preaching or teaching, whether it's leading or loving, being out front or behind the scenes, whatever it is that God has given you a gift to do, to use, you need to use your gift. You need to use your gift. Maybe you're a hand that serves. You're a hand that reaches out and serves other people. Maybe you're a foot. That's money, people. That's good. But maybe you're a foot and you need to carry the gospel wherever you go. Wherever you're headed to, wherever you're going, you need to be carrying the gospel wherever you go. Maybe you're an eye. Maybe you're eyes that see the needs of people. Maybe you're ears that can listen to someone whose heart is breaking. Maybe you are a mouth. We've got too many mouths. But maybe you're a mouth that utters prayers on behalf of those who need it. Or you're a mouth that soothes uh, broken hearts with comforting words. Whatever it is that you are, God has put you here for a reason. He has made you a part of this body. He has made you a part of this family. But know this one thing. There is no spiritual gift of pew sitting. There is no, it, it, there's no, there's no uh, in this body, there's no rear end. There's no just sitting around waiting for something to happen. We got to do something. God has given us a gift. He has given us gifts to be used in his kingdom, to be used to build his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. God has created you and he has brought you here for a purpose and for a reason. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do to honor him? What are you going to do to serve him here at GFCC? The book of Ephesians says that we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ to, for a purpose, for a reason. And that is to do good works. We are saved by grace through faith to do good works. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. We are saved by grace through faith to do good works. What are the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do? What are the good works that you can be doing for God's uh, purpose and for God's church and for God's kingdom? You have been created for a purpose. You have been saved for a purpose. You are special and you are unique. You are here for a reason. So let's figure it out. Let's figure out, okay, why am I here? Let's figure out your purpose so that we can get to the business of making disciples. That's what we're called to do. And that's what we're going to do. The last blank on your outline. He's like, finally. That was, a long, that was a long blank. The last blank on your outline is we need each other. We need each other. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 21 through 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We need each other. 
I love verses 25 and 26 to talk about how every part needs each other. The body is a unit. It is a unity, and we are to be one. Every part of the body is indispensable. Every part of the body is indispensable. Every part needs the other parts. If one part of our body suffers, the whole body suffers. You know, when you think about it, if you break your arm, you know, that really hurts your body. I mean, physically, yes, but it also inhibits your ability to do certain things. You'll learn to cope, you'll learn to deal with it, but you will not operate as effectively or as efficiently as you could if your arm was working right, correct? If one part suffers, the whole body suffers. The same goes for the church. We need each other here at GFCC. You are needed at GFCC. You have a purpose and you have a reason to be. You are indispensable. So when you say, you wake up on Sunday, ah, it doesn't matter if I go to church today. It's not true. Someone here needs to see you. Someone here needs to talk to you. You need to talk to somebody. You need to encourage someone. You need to hug somebody. You need to let somebody know that you love them and you need somebody to tell you that they love you. You are indispensable. You're not a, 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 an appendix. There's no appendix in the church. You're indispensable. You need to be here. And you know what? We may not always get along. We may not always see eye to eye. We may not always like each other very much. We may falter. We may fail. We may hurt each other from time to time. And when we do, the body suffers. And the body needs healing. So we pick each other up. And we let God heal us. Because He is the great physician. He is the, the almighty healer. And He can bring healing to our body when our body is suffering. Then on the other hand, we may have moments of great success. We may have moments of wonderful triumph. We will get stronger and we will get healthier. And we will do mighty things by God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we rejoice. We rejoice together in what God has done and in what God is doing and what God will do in the life of our church family. We are one, my friends, and we need each other. I need you. And believe it or not, you need me. We need one another. We need each other. You are not an accident. You are not an afterthought. You are important, and we need you here. Every single one of you. And those who aren't here today, we need them too. Maybe we need to encourage them. Hey, we need you here. You're not an accessory. You're the, you're the main deal. We need you here. You're part of this family. You know, when you get together with family and somebody's missing, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? When you get together with family at Thanksgiving, which, by the way, is not too far away. When you get together at Thanksgiving time and you sit down around that table, what does the conversation turn to? Oh, man, it's just such a shame that they're not here, that they couldn't be here this year. Or at Christmas time. A big family time. You get together with your family and you, it's always obvious when somebody isn't there. It should be that obvious when somebody's not here on a Sunday morning. This is our family reunion, our weekly family reunion. Who's not here? 
give them a call this week and say, hey, I missed you on Sunday. You know, I know you were out of town. I know you were visiting friends and relatives and things like that. I just want you to know I missed you. I miss seeing you. Can you do that? Can you call somebody up this week and just say, hey, I, I noticed you weren't there. Now, you, you need to be prepared that if, if you didn't see them and they were here, they may call you on that, okay? I was there. What are you talking about? Were you there? Just apologize. Say, oh, I just didn't see you. I'll have to look for you next Sunday. But we are one, and we need each other. And there's to be no division in the church as there is no division in our bodies. We need to work together. We need to pray together. We need to laugh together. We need to rejoice together. And we even need to mourn together. And we need to grieve together. We need to do church together. We don't go to church, my friends. We are the church. And we need to be the church. We need to be the church for one another. We need to be the church that reaches out. We need to be the church that is changing lives for God's glory. You know, there's a story that's told of about a, a pastor down in, in, in uh, 1996 in Arkansas. And in November of 1996, this pastor's name was Eric Daniel Harris. He pled guilty to burning down the Kentucky Missionary Baptist Church. According to a federal prosecutor, Harris said that he did it because there was division among church members and they needed a project to unify them. <laughs> you know, I can think of a lot of projects that need to be done and none of them involve burning down our church building. So don't get any ideas. We do need to be unified. We need to be united. We need to be united as a church family, lifting each other up, building each other up, reaching out to one another and loving each other and forgiving each other when we mess up. We need unity at GFCC. Like I said, we need to work together. We need to love together. We need to pray together. We need to bear each other's burdens. We need to forgive each other. We need to fulfill Jesus' desire for unity. And we need to work together to bring about unity and peace in our church family. So pray for unity, my friends. Pray for unity here at Griffith First Christian Church. And let's love each other. Let's work with each other. Let's pray with each other. And even when the time comes, let's forgive each other. And let us be one body. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words of Paul today. As they teach us about our need to be one, our need to be united as a church family. So I pray for unity here at GFCC. I pray that we would work together, that we would love each other and accept each other unconditionally, that we would remember that we are important and that we need each other. So I thank you, God, for making us a family, that we are brothers and sisters through the blood of Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for uh, his desire for us to be one, and I pray that we would fulfill and that we would be the answer to his prayer that we would be one. We pray these things in Jesus' name.